Hi, my name is Chris Candy, and this is the Never Not Run podcast. Or no. <laughs> or do the NNR for This is the Never Not Run podcast. I'm your host, Chris Candy. And I'm Mark Nieto. All right, and we're here. It's happening. It's finally starting. We, uh, we have started the, uh, the NNR Never Not Run podcast. This is the first episode we finally decided that we've spent enough time uh, torturing our significant others and our family and friends with running. And so we decided we should just... Uh, Go directly to the source, to exactly. the people who are interested, care, um, you know, want to get their VO2 max better, uh, <laughs> want to try and, um, you know, get their body mass index lower. Hear about the best gel flavors. Uh-huh. Talk about that most recent David Goggins post and whether you love it or hate it. Yeah. Um, we are here for you, uh, and we want to get into talking about running on this podcast. This is uh, something that is a labor of love uh, from both Mark and I. Uh, we both have a history in radio. Mm-hmm. We worked at KXLU in Los Angeles. We both went to school at Loyola Marymount University. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is just a return uh, to form for us. But this topic is new, running. Right. And uh, we are really, we are, thank God, yeah, and we're going to kind of cover a lot of different topics, yeah. right? It's not, I mean, it, everything is going to start with running, but then, you know, we can go all over we're, the place. Yeah, it, trust me, like, it, it is not just, uh, you know, stuck here. But if you are that person who is looking for that pod um, where you're not going to have to cringe, uh, you better flip to the next show because it's going to be us. No, this is the Never Not Run podcast, um, and welcome. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Never Not Run was a... Uh, basically a slogan that I had uh, growing up, and it, it referred to running, uh, you know, and, and continuing a life of running um, in whatever capacity. And then later it turned into uh, an Instagram account that Mark and I both run. It's uh, Never Not Run is the Instagram account. And really it's a place for people to join and share and, and, and uh, celebrate the art of uh, movement through running. So that's really what it is, really. <laughs> yeah, and then I think... You had a really good idea to start doing virtual races when the pandemic hit. Right. And so that, I think that's when it really kind of you elevated it to this other level of like incorporating clothing and and creating a small community around it and and creating a whole kind of vibe around the the motto. Yeah, more or less like that is where it kind of got uh, more of the fuel for it to continue. We were in the middle of COVID, mm-hmm. still are. But um, pandemic had just started, and and races were basically all done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of had the idea of doing digital races, um, and in that regard, just basically creating a chat room on the Instagram account to invite people to come and post their times, um, and go out on their own and do their own foot race. And it was basically my version of a virtual run, and needed help. And Mark was the perfect person to do that. A little history on top of that too. You know, we both ran our first marathons together. We trained with a good friend of ours, Sam Griesmer. um, And uh, we both trained for LA Marathon in, what was that, 17, 2017, 2018? I think it was 18. 2018. And that was really like going through, we're going to talk about so much fucking shit. And yeah, we're cussing (laughs) (laughs) on this pod. But like, we're going to talk about it all. Um, Because, and, and you could dedicate, a whole podcast to a marathon training program. I'm sure there are ones out there that already exist. But 
we're going to talk about our process. We're going to talk about uh, things we've seen along the way, yeah. um, you know, and, 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 and throughout the course of this podcast, you'll get all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, since both of us, at the moment at least, are, are in Los Angeles and Southern California, we're, we'll be talking a lot about what it is to train here, what it feels like to run through yep. uh, the streets of L.A. and Southern California and get out to the trails and all that. Yeah, exactly. This is a really awesome uh, community that we have here, um, you know, and, and there's a lot of great places to go, a lot of different environments to run in Southern California. You can um, be doing trail runs up in Angeles Crest uh, or Griffith Park, and then you can also be down at the beach and, and just mm-hmm. go for miles looking at like unbelievable coastline. Um, so move to Los Angeles. <laughs> don't, don't. There's doing people moving here. Um, I was trying to think of why we decided to run the marathon in the first place. Yeah, good question. Do you remember why? Because I couldn't even, I couldn't even really think of why we decided to. I think, did we individually decide to do it and then realize we were doing it together? Or was it something that we thought, oh, I'll do it if you do it? Right. It was, um... It was exactly this moment I remember, you know, and, and this kind of speaks to a big theme I have with running where you actually connect with a lot of people who are runners um, from all kinds of different walks of life. It's a really awesome like way to communicate with people and really brings people together in this really unique way. Um, so from a social element, it's like super important. And that is kind of the case on what happened here. Um, my friend Sam, who I mentioned, Sam Griesmer, he's a musician uh, and a producer um, we were good friends and we both kind of noticed that we were into a lot of the same things in regards to like, uh, training, health, working out, whatever you want to call it, you know? Um, and, uh, I got in a car one day and we were going to go to the, the gym. We were going to go to Equinox of all places to work out and you were going to meet us there and we were going to give you a guest pass, right? Mm-hmm. I think that that's what it was. We were all going to go train and on the way over, to this workout, um, Sam was like, you know, I was looking at the LA Marathon trail, uh, the the route, and it's awesome. Starts in Dodger Stadium, ends at Santa Monica Pier. What more epic of a marathon would that be? Mm-hmm. We should train for it. And I, at that point, had always been on and off about training for any race. I didn't really understand the community. I didn't know how to do it. I was nervous. I I just didn't have the commitment level. And at that moment, I was just like, yes, let's do it. And I'm positive it was probably somewhere in that day that we talked to you. And we're like, do you want to run the LA Marathon with us this year? And you were like, most likely, yeah, you said yes. Because I remember that night or that afternoon, we went and got drinks. (laughs) (laughs) After the gym to get drinks uh, at Big Dean's in Malibu. We went up to Big Dean's and we had like a burger or something like yes. that. And then, and then, and I think it was, you know, put together there and masterminded there. And from that point on, I think we looked at a start date to start training. And then we just drew it out to, I think it was like March 12th or something that the first LA Marathon would be for us. Wow. So it's all Sam's fault then. <laughs> so he's the one. Well, Sam, you know, and, and, and we would, our gateway yeah, we'll get Sam on here eventually. Uh, and that is also a plan. We're going to be interviewing people on the pod um, of all different walks of life. But yeah, Sam is an incredible runner, um, you know, uh, very quick, very fast. Um, and, uh, you know, also just like a really awesome mind uh, when it comes to running. But um, yeah, it's his fault. 
Wow. He he got it started. I mean, I've been addicted to this stuff for four years because he just gave me a little taste. <laughs> right. You know, I think prior to that, you know, and maybe th- this is a good question. Like prior to LA Marathon, Mark, um, what was your running life? So, you know, it's weird. I had always in some part of my brain, I had always wanted to do a marathon. I'm not really sure why. I think it just stood out to me as kind of a, a benchmark of fitness or something that I thought, oh, one day I'll do a marathon, but I never even really enjoyed running necessarily. I had done a year of cross country in high school and gotten kicked off the team, which I don't know if we can want to get into that now, but it was like, I had a really fun time. A lot of my friends... How'd you get kicked off the team? <laughs> a lot of my friends were on the team at the time. That was the only reason I signed up because I, I was not... I went to a, a high school that was... Uh, I mean, I guess most high schools, folk, you know, a lot of the athletics are play a big part of high school right. high school experience but i didn't really play any sports and so cross country seemed like an easy enough thing you just like oh you just fucking go out there and run right right like, you don't really need um any equipment or anything it's not doesn't take a lot of investment so my friends convinced me to go for cross country but i just never really it didn't click with me then i mean i would do the trainings i would do the runs with everybody but by the end of the season, I kind of realized, like, you know what? Like, I'm I'm probably not going to do this again. I'm right. not going to join the team next year. And so the very last race, I decided I was just going to have fun. Cool. Which now I think, like, people, when I see people who are into running, it's really common, you know, just, like, see people dress up and people have right. this, like, very fun kind of attitude about running, which is great. So I kind of had embraced that, I guess that day and so i was just i just went to have fun and i i took i remember from the starting line you know obviously you want to like pace yourself if you're going to do a longer run but i just like sprinted from the starting <laughs> line and so and i was not that fast i mean i've never been like a fast fast runner and so i just took off and was in front of the entire pack for like i don't know like 300 yards and then immediately just like my body crashed and i just everybody passed me but then I was like skipping and high-fiving people yeah. and and uh, stopping for pictures and like just just smiling and cheesing it up and being, I don't know, an idiot out there. And and I remember at the very end, there was a long straightaway towards the finish line. And so I stopped and like a Bugs Bunny character just wound up my arm and, and pointed to the finish line and then just darted to the end. And wow. the whole team came out and was really they were like, Oh, that was great, man. That was so much, so funny, blah, blah, blah. And everybody was pumping me up. And then I remember the coach just came up to me and pulled me aside and he goes, you're never going to run on one of my teams again. <laughs> like what? <laughs> this- he, he just, he thought that I had completely embarrassed him and embarrassed the team and had disrespected the sport and what a jerk but i mean i kind of understand right like i was just being a clown out there i wasn't really taking it seriously i mean it's a uh-huh. it's a race you know you're supposed to want to do well and win <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i just didn't care i was like running backwards and like spinning around and right fun. i was just having fun and and so yeah he did not like that at all and and yeah and i even tried to i even kind of changed my mind later on and was like i think i want to go back and run again and he was just like no like i'm not letting you on my team so at that point i was kind of like all right well i guess my running days are done like i didn't really uh-huh. think about 
there's this whole world of adult children who go out there and still <laughs> compete. Right, that wear tutus and yeah. dress up in like T-Rex yeah. costumes and run marathons and stuff. Right. But, we were talking about that, how like high school track coaches or PE coaches probably ruin a lot of people's perspective on running. Yeah. Well, and to, to his credit, I mean, he was, they had a, like a state, level like state championship winning team it wasn't like okay it was a very and not, not i wasn't yeah. on the varsity team that was right. competing for that i was on like the freshman sophomore team but you know he was a dude that took running that was his life he took competing very very seriously and we had a lot of i went to high school with a lot of guys that were really really good you know and went on to run in college and stuff and yeah he just was he did not have time for shenanigans and so that was like my first kind of introduction into training and running and all of that but like at, when that ended i was kind of like all right i'm done like i don't need to right. buy another pair of running shoes like i just uh -huh. kind of let it go and then i don't think i really thought about it again until because i think even through the rest of my high school and college years i was kind of like I, I, who wants to run like running seemed very it just didn't click with me there was even like exercise in general i was just i didn't have a priority i was like prioritizing prioritizing other things in my life right like right and other stuff but not exercising not fitness or health or any of that and so i don't think it was until i you know a few years out of college i actually had a, a family member who is really into endurance sports and triathloning and stuff and so he had kind of got me into doing a triathlon so that was kind of the first time i had ever trained for anything was doing like a short sprint triathlon and you know trained for swimming and biking and and running and so i got back into running through that and i realized running was the thing that i enjoyed the most out of that experience was was just going out and doing the runs and it's also just really easy right like right unless you know i i don't nothing against like cyclists like I'm, I'm really interested in cycling but it's like there's just there feels like such a barrier for entry to get into biking you sure. know, have a nice bike and and even biking around LA it's like everybody has these stories of you know getting clipped by a car or something and and swimming you need to have access to a pool so running always just appealed to me as like a thing where you're like I just put shoes on and go out the door and that's it yeah, that, that was always my, like, same thing with it. Uh, you know, I, I feel like running is a really awesome way to get to know a city, get to know a place, and mm -hmm. it's so accessible because you can really do it with, you know, you could go barefoot if you want to, um, you know, and, th and that could be on, like, the beach. Mm -hmm. um, and the buy-in is really low, right? All you need is really a, any pair of shoes. You don't need a nice pair of shoes even, but you yeah. just need a pair of shoes and a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and and you're good and and i think that that's always what like has opened my mind and been interesting about running to me is you can just kind of go out and do it, it kind of you know it's not to go on a too much of a tangent but skateboarding was kind of like that skateboarding wasn't that mm -hmm. much of a buy-in you know your mom or dad could get you a skateboard for like a hundred bucks at the time and then you could go out and just ride around and you'd have it for a long time snowboarding you needed access to a mountain surfing right. you needed access to a surfboard in the ocean and so I think that there's something really like similar to the two activities that uh, are just like you, we could stop right now and go, right. and <laughs> you it, know? Yeah. And like you said, it's just, it's a way to explore the city versus a destination in a way, right? Like, sur like surfing and snowboarding, you have to go to these places and there's already a kind of um, 
it's hard to access for a lot of people, right? And and skateboarding, like running, you just can open your door and skate in front of your, you know, in front of your house, your apartment, whatever. Yeah, it's 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 the thing that like really got really makes running shine for me is like its ability to be you know, you're mobile, you're moving, you're, you can go from one place to another place. Like I've done these runs in my time in Los Angeles where I'm like, okay, I need to do a 12 mile training run today. And I also need to go drop my girlfriend's car off at her place, you know, and get back home. And I'm not going to do an Uber. So I do a run, you know, I, I, I've done that where I like drive her car, drop it off. And then you know, go from downtown back to mid city LA. And what you end up seeing on those runs are, is so cool. Like yeah. you're, you're going through all of these areas, you know, you're going through arts district and skid row, you're going through Koreatown, you know, and just on this run in general, you know, you're going through, um, all these galleries, the tar pits, like, it's like, you wouldn't see that you see it in a car obviously, but you really feel it, you know? especially running through Skid Row, that is such like a trip because it's like, it's so devastating what's going on down there. Um, to yep. be yep. up against it is interesting. Well, I think for us, we're speaking as pe- like Angelinos, right? So yes. For, we have a different experience just because we're usually in cars. I think, yes. that, and that it's an experience that a lot of people that live in LA don't necessarily have, right? Right. Because yeah, you got to get from you got to get across the city in a car and the city's so spread out versus yes. i don't know like other cities that have that are more pedestrian friendly sure they're not like i could see why somebody i don't know, i mean even just to pick new york as an example it's like well i'm on the street every day i see it or i don't necessarily right. need to go run or when i was in i was living in london it was the same kind of thing like you're just on the ground level all the time so you have a different relationship with the the street versus like here it is it is a nice way to experience the city it's true too now that you bring that up it's a great point because it's like the times i've been in new york and gone on runs with friends you know they take me to a park and we go Mm -hmm. in a park and go run and as opposed to maybe that person's relationship with the city you know because maybe they were just you know running or walking the city blocks all the time as opposed to yeah la is just you know go out and start and then there's also destination runs you Mm -hmm. drive the car and you want to go to whatever area to go hit you know five ten miles whatever it is um but you know for me like just to touch on my history with with running it's like i was like not good at running you know in, in pe i was always last person with the mile you know i never thought it was something i could do and for me i got so heavy at one point in my life and there was this loop in my neighborhood around a golf course. And I always was impressed by the runners that would go around this golf course because it just looked like such, even as a kid, it looked like a fun activity, you know? And I remember I just had hit this point with my weight where I was like, I need to figure out this. And I started running and I lost like an incredible amount of weight. And my mom also told me that she remembered when I was a kid, I would run around this pond and I would just bolt out the door and run around this pond. And so I had this like in memory and this vision of me as a little skinny kid running around. And it's not about being skinny or big. I'm not, I'm not getting into that point, but like I at the time just needed to lose this weight. And I did, I, I dropped close to a hundred pounds wow. from kind of working out and nutrition, but also the running was such a shock to my system. It just melted off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have points on that that I want to talk about later. 
as you get older. It doesn't necessarily work the same way, <laughs> but we'll get to that another time. But I started, and I was really as I was just kind of maintaining up until the marathon, uh, and we can kind of maybe bookend it there, is like I would run two miles, three miles. There wasn't any organized race, like I said, but I still was really addicted to this thing. You know, I would tour as a musician or as a guitar tech and be in Portland or, or be in, in South Carolina at the venue. And I would get out and go running in the morning and I would follow other runners to follow their routes. Cause this was before all of our phone technology. Now I didn't know where to go, but I always had a decent sense of direction. So I would, I remember in Portland, like I just started following runners and I went over the most beautiful bridges and got on these really cool routes, you know, and it was just awesome. So I, I had this very kind of like intuitive relationship with it. And then that same guy, Sam, I think a Christmas run came up in Venice. It was the Venice Christmas run. And I think that that might have been in 17. And that was the first organized run I did where I was kind of like, oh, okay. And then, and then from there it started. And now I've run... Not, I'm not, you know, and the thing is too, we, I want to say this before we continue, like Mark and I aren't like super athletes. Yeah. We're not, we're not, this is not like a, this isn't a podcast where we're like trying to push PR. We're really just trying to talk about something we love and cause I'm slow as fuck, <laughs> but that's okay. You know, yeah. it's like, and I work on time and, and, uh, I, you know, I, 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 and I, you know, we can get into all of that other stuff eventually in regards to the relationship with numbers and all of these things. But, you know, this is a podcast that's just to talk about the weirdness and, and the love for it. Right. Yeah. To, to kind of talk about the, I guess the weird nuances, the, the kind of obsessive, but, but trying to do it in a positive, healthy way. Hopefully it, we can kind of inspire some other people to like, really, like you said, just get out and move. It's not about like even racing. It's just about moving your body. Yeah. And, 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 and like I said, like a lot of these PE coaches, they kind of screw with your mind because the mile when I was a kid was like the worst day of the school year, you know? And I think, you know, and, and I always blame it on the fact that like, when you sign up for PE, no one tells you to just get like a pair of running shoes. You know, my mom would buy me like basketball shoes. So I'd be like running the mile in these like Charles Barkley Nikes. You know, it's like that would be brutal. Like that's boot training. You know what I mean? It's like not, you know, if I knew that there was like a slick running shoe you could use, you know, or even, you know, or, or something light at least, I probably would have had a better experience with it. Um, but that's my, my story with it. What were early running shoes you had as a kid? Or when you were running cross-country, what did you run oh, in? Oh, God. I remember I had these really... Well, now that I feel like they've kind of come back in style a little bit, but they were these they were the these Nikes that didn't even have shoelaces. They were just these socks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know the... Prestos? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Is that the kind of... I think... Um, Virgil did a reissue of them. Yes, the Presto. Yeah, yeah. But the he did the reissue with the shoelaces, but I had the ones that just had like a plastic webbing. Oh, so like a like a moccasin almost. Yeah, yeah. There was no <laughs> shoelaces. They were really nasty. I would just slip my foot in them. <laughs> and and just yeah, and just go. And I mean, on that note though, it's kind of important to bring up too that like I didn't even know how to run until I was like right. 25 or something, right? Which is a dumb thing to say because I think as a kid, you just like naturally run and you like figure it out. And then I guess over the years at some point as like I got lazier, I just like 
you lose that. And I think everybody kind of loses their like connection and their body at a different time. Yeah. I like didn't know how to run as a high schooler. I was like, I was probably just, I was bad at it. And I hadn't really thought about form or let alone like my aerobic fitness or any of that. But I just like was probably running just totally fucked up. And so once I realized that running, it's almost like swimming in a way where as you, you kind of practice your stroke and you figure out how to get more efficient in the water. And then it kind of becomes easier as you're building up your strength, right. and your aerobic fitness, it all kind of comes together. But I think for a long time I hated running just because I didn't know how to do it. And it was just painful. It's hard on your joints. It's like yeah, you're always out of breath. You're, I was like go, pushing too hard all the time. Right. You don't understand pacing at all. Like, you know, when I would do those miles when I was a kid, you just, you know, bolt because it was all about being fast. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about maintenance and it wasn't about preserva- preservation or, or any of that stuff. It was just, it was about being fast and you'd always, you know, big chunky kid you burn out pretty quick Mm -hmm. as opposed to like if you could tell someone who's maybe having those issues or has mobility problems or whatever it is like just go slow and finish you know like walk a little bit if you need to because you know it that first time you run a mile and you really run a mile is really big it's a big deal Mm -hmm. because you just don't think you can do it you're like whoa i just ran a mile and and it sounds like such a big number but and that's what I just recommend. Anyone who's curious about doing this thing, just start, walk, run. Everybody talks about it, you know, Goggins, all these people, you know, they all talk about that kind of mentality and they're right. You just have to kind of slowly start because eventually you'll get there. Um, I wanted to talk about a few things on this podcast. Um, I could talk about a billion things, but there's two main things I wanted to talk about that make sure we get in today. Mm-hmm. Um the, the 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 latter of it is Death Valley Marathon, which is the last race that Mark and I ran together. Um, but before I get there, as you all know, at this point, we've run marathons, we've run half marathons, you know, we could do podcasts on each one. I'm more curious about this question, um, and I'd like to share my experience with it too. But what was it like the first time you ran 20 miles? It was insane. Like it really was insane experience because I think prior to that, I, well, let me back up a little bit, right? Like going back to what we were just saying, like I had no idea that I never thought that I would be the type of person that would be able to sustain any kind of physical activity for, I don't know, longer than like, 20 minutes, let alone like the time it would take to run a marathon. Right. And so it was after kind of, I I don't even think I had really figured out the training, but I started to read about running. And one of the books that, um, you know, I'm almost embarrassed to talk about it now, but I read born to run. I think that book had a huge impact on a lot of people. And it really inspired me in a lot of ways and helped me figure out that, you kind of have to go slow to go fast, right? It, right. It, it is endurance is about like kind of maintenance, right? You're maintaining a, a, you have to maintain your exertion level so that you can keep going and going, right? And so the thing that I've, the, 
the time that I started to really get into running is when I was going, going on the long runs. Like that's when right. I started to really fall in love with it because I started to realize like, wow, I can really do this. I can push right. myself for a very long time and still feel good. Like I feel good doing it and I feel good after. Right. And it started to become a meditative thing. Right. Right. And I guess people talk about the runner's high and all that. And for me, it was like, I wasn't even getting into the runs until like two or three miles in. Right. So at, that's the point where I really started to feel good at, when I was out there. And it's a tough thing to sell people on, right? Like I don't, I don't like encouraging people to go out and do longer runs. Like I think they have to, you kind of have to like come to it in your own way. Right. But for me personally, yeah, it takes me a while to, to get out there and to really feel like, okay, this is, this is fun. I'm enjoying this. So at, so when I started training for the marathon, I mean, I remember seeing the progression, the, the ladder of training that it would require and thinking like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but (laughs) you know, I think the longest I had run, I think before I started training, the longest I had run was maybe like three miles. I want to say if I had gone on hikes. So I think that I, I remember thinking like, if nothing else, I can walk it. You know, I knew that I could kind of cover the ground. And so anyway, doing those longer runs, I remember, I think, I think the first time it really started to hit me was like it, when I was doing the miles over 15, when I was getting, right. doing the runs over 15, I was like, this is like uncharted territory for me. And, <laughs> and you really feel like you're, I mean, I don't, I don't want to over-exaggerate or overstate it, but you really feel like you are, you're reaching the edges of your body. You're like what you're physically yes. capable of. Yeah. You're like, this, I can't believe I am, I've been on my feet for two hours and I still have more miles to cover. <laughs> and, and you get into such a weird headspace because you're like, everything's telling me to stop. Like, I don't need to do this. Right. And, and I mean, maybe we could talk about whether it's, this is even healthy or not, but you know, you, you just have to get into this. For me, I had to get into this meditative headspace and just be like, I just, tuned out you kind of enter this like uh, other level this like meta level of 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 your body where you're just like okay like i am i am just a runner now like i am put on this earth to run and there is nothing else the only and and the only other experiences i've had that i can say that are similar to it are when i've had like psychedelic drug experiences where you just feel this (laughs) you have this like ego death and you're you're separated from your body and and you have this clarity and i think maybe that is again like the the kind of that speaks to like the addictive quality of running that that we've that obviously has like grabbed hold of us but but it is um i don't know for me it just feels like way more healthier than doing drugs or something yeah yeah I, I agree. Um, the the twenty mile run, um, that's a great answer to that because that encompasses exactly what it takes to get to the twenty. Mm-hmm. And you know, for those of you who are new to running or just listening, you know, if you train for a marathon, most training programs get you to twenty once or twice. Uh, you know, it, it it some go over, but it it makes that twenty to twenty six point two 
place. We can't even really explain it on the podcast because yeah, it's so a disclaimer. Like well, this is not medical advice. This is yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is not medical. We're just saying our personal experiences. We're not but, coaches. Yeah, but that the the miles in between twenty and and twenty six point two for those who have run that era area uh, will you know know what I'm talking about. It's kind of unforeseen territory the first time you do it. You know, you're just it's nothing really can prepare you for that. Um, and, and the tough mind is what mm-hmm. will get you through it. But the first time I ever did a 20 was during that, you know, training program. And prior to my running experience at similar years, I'd, I'd maybe done three or maybe six was maybe the most, you know, once, you know, and I hadn't done much after that. But I remember the first one I did, I just couldn't believe how far I had to run to get to 10 miles to then turn back and do it. Cause I, I do a lot of out and back runs, you know, for my mind, they work really well. Like I love going down to Santa Monica, you know, park the car and just head on the, the path, you know, the bike path. Cause it's safe. You can kind of unhook a little bit from like, um, people or, you know, you have to dodge bikes and stuff, but you don't have to really worry about cars, you know? So remember, I used to go on, um, and for those who don't know, you, there's a play, website called mapmyrun.com. I'm sure a lot of people know it. And maybe Strava has a version of this. I'm, I'm new to Strava. But um, Map My Run, you could just really say, like, all right, I'm starting here, and I need to get to here. And it you can basically, it's a, a road builder. It builds out a, tra- a trail for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like, that's this area, area near Dockweiler Beach, which is just for all those who are listening, by the airport. Okay, like the flight path is underneath above Dockweiler. So it's that's 10 and then back. And in doing that, you run through Santa Monica, Venice Beach, Marina del Rey, all the way out to the jetty, you know, basically the breakwater of um, the Marina del Rey Harbor. Mm-hmm. You cross over into, um, you know, Playa de Vista or Playa del Rey, whatever that area is. And then you go all the way down to Dockweiler Beach. Like, it's so fucking far. And then you have to turn back and do it again. And I remember this very vividly because I, like you, after 15, for an average runner, it gets tough. It just is kind of a bit harder on our systems, at least. Definitely mine. And I had gotten to the turnaround, and I was heading back, and I got to mile, I remember it was like 16 or 17, and I was in Marina del Rey. And I was coming up on Washington Boulevard and going to be reconnecting with the traditional bike strand. And I remember my arms started to tingle because I hadn't moved my arms from a runner position the entire time, and they were tingling. And I was also wearing a red Lululemon shirt, For those of you who don't really know the territory of colors in an area, red is definitely not the one to be wearing in Venice. I'll just leave it at that. You know, like, just maybe avoid that one. Um, But I remember there was, like, a houseless guy who he saw me running out and he saw me running back, and he started running with me. And he started kind of shit-talking, you know? Mm -hmm. How far we running, man? And, like, this is, like, right out of my childhood, like, guilt, like, you're not good. You, you know, he was like, how, how far are we going, man? How, and I'm a big guy, so everyone's calling me big man all the time, and it, like, kind of hurts, but whatever, you know? So I'm like, this guy's doing this, right? And I'm going, like, 
I'm, I say to him, man, I, I, say, I said, I'm going, this is like my 16th mile of 20. He's like, oh, okay. So the guy starts running, and he was drinking a beer at the time too. So he runs a whole mile with me. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, I don't really, I'm, I, I, I remember going, like, if this guy wanted to push me over and, like, take anything from me or just push me over, he could do it because I have no energy. And I would just fall. <laughs> like, I was so wiped at that point. So I have this guy running with me, and then he runs for a full mile with me. And I'm going, how is this guy going to finish running with me? He was in far better shape than I was. But he doesn't. He gets to a mile and goes, oh, man. And I tired him out. Mm-hmm. So he stopped running with me. And I'm going, great. I keep going. And then I am wearing this red Lululemon shirt, and I just start getting heckled by, like, kids like on the primary strand of the Venice Beach Boardwalk. Where all the tourists are. Yeah, I now have learned, just so you know, I run on um, Speedway. Speedway is basically the alleyway behind there. And it is, for a runner, a little more dangerous, but a lot less calm just so you know it's a lot more <laughs> calm because you don't have to deal with the more, riff you're saying more calm it's more calm but, but also more dangerous just because you're dealing with cars you know okay. and and you have to keep that in mind but like you're not gonna like no one will heckle you yeah. you know and so i do that now but that day i didn't so i just had like kids just like shouting at me so then it just starts getting to my head. And mind you, I've got tingly arms. Just had this man run with me. Got kids shouting at me. I get to 18 and I bonk. I just like, I like go like, I, I'm having, I don't, you know, you don't know when you don't have the history on your body and you get tingly arms, you think you're having a heart attack or a stroke. And mind you, in your mind, you're thinking like, I've never done anything like this before. So a heart attack or a stroke is very likely, <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> So I remember getting to 18 and just like having to walk it back basically. And I got to 20, but I had to walk it back and I felt so devastated. And it was the first time I ever had to really wrestle with um, defeat in doing it and and my body's relationship with like its max. Mm -hmm. And I remember like I had to go and get like a Gatorade from like the Perry's on the strand. Like I was just so out of it. I was like, you know, and my brain dealing with like the kind of addictive qualities of running is like, you just want to finish. You just have to, there's no other answer. So you end up looking like Frankenstein getting back home to your start point. Cause you're just like, and you run a little bit and then you have like a weird body panic and then you walk and you're downing water. And I remember I finally got to it, but I said to myself, I am, I have to take these runs very seriously. And that's when I started learning about nutrition. I learned about getting blood flow through the top of your body, all of these things, you know, more or less my arms were just in right angle position for, you know, three hours at that point. So there was no blood going to anything. There's no stroke. None of that happened. I, I, you know, I have a good relationship with my cardiologist. So I always get checked out before I do these pretty big endurance races and stuff, but it was none of that. And, and it was just such a really brutal experience. Um, and I had to do it again in two weeks. And so I did, I went back and I rested really well. I learned from my mistakes, 
took Speedway, avoided the riffraff, made sure I had plenty of nutrition, and I crushed it, you mm -hmm. know? And, and, and so, and, and that's the great gift of running, right? It's just like, it's a, the ultimate teacher <laughs> for yourself. And, and, and I totally agree with what you're saying, Mark, like it, I've not done psychedelics, you know, like, yeah. And so it's the closest thing I have to it, uh, where I really, you do feel, and that is very true. You do feel like you are put on this planet for one thing and, and that is to just run. Yeah. I had no idea that you had that experience. I mean, I remember you telling me how crazy Venice was and you're like, I never want to do that again. But I didn't know that I didn't hear the story of the guy running alongside you with the beer. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's, it's, it's just like, it, you know, and I also have, have to preface all this by saying like, I got nothing wrong with these areas. Like this is just be living in a big city. You know what I mean? It's just that, that, that's what tagged along with me that day. But from a psychological level, I look at it like, wow, this race really showed me some like interesting challenges, you mm -hmm. know, and how to wrestle with them and how to deal with them. And, um, and how they're maybe more tailored to me in regards to like getting called out, bullying kind of stuff, you know, and, 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 and how that affected me. It was very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, all that stuff will, if, should we wait for that or does it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. All that stuff, whether, I mean, in your case, you had to face it head on, but right. I think anybody that pushes themselves to that point, you're going to, whether you deal with it in real life or internally, like all that stuff is going to bubble up to the surface. Cause right. you're, yeah, you're pushing yourself to such an extreme that, you know, you're going to doubt yourself. You're going to need, you're going to need, it's just as much a mental thing, right? Cause you're yeah. going to have to train your, your mind to, to deal with that, to deal with those setbacks. Cause you're going to have setbacks on those runs, right? It's not just, it's not like saying, oh yeah, today I cr like crapped out on a run. It's like, what, what you're training for this thing. What happens if you crap out on the race, right? Like you have yeah. to kind of mentally prepare for all of that and like figure out how you're going to work through it. And, and I think all that stuff then translates into other aspects of your life, right? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, you, you kind of like go through this like metamorphosis as a human where you're like, you go through your week and you're like, well, this isn't that bad because I just ran right. 20 miles on Saturday. Right. It helps put things into perspective like that. Because even, and you can kind of get, a, at least for me, right? Like I get a little boost of confidence knowing that, well, damn, like I did that over the weekend, right? Totally. I, did, I ran from, you know, I ran the entire length of Long Beach. <laughs> yeah. You know, as just for for fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, nobody told me to do it. I didn't have to do it. Nobody was, you know, waiting on me. I just went and did it. Well, let's, let's get into, cause I, I do want to keep this, this episode kind of succinct, but I wanted to get into uh, the most current race because also through this podcast, we will be talking about our history and our experience, you know, the entire time. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I wanted to talk about a very famous part of the world, what it means to us and how Mark and I both completed races in Death Valley, California. So um, again, Sam Griesmer, the infamous 
third yes. chair of this show, who <laughs> will be talked about often. He and his father would go out to Death Valley, California every December to run a race for EnviroSports, and they do a race out there, um, and it's the Death Valley Half and Full Trail Marathon, and it's 26.2 through Death Valley. Uh, for those of you who are new to running or are listening, Death Valley is infamous for the running community because it is the most extreme of conditions. And it also is home to one of the most savage races of all time. Mm -hmm. And that's the Badwater 135. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of it. Uh, or Mark, heard us talk about or, it. <laughs> yeah. we, Mark found this amazing, and maybe we can put a link in the description yeah. to this documentary that came out about this uh, runner uh, out of San Diego, I believe his name's Akos Konya. And Akos is, you know, the fun thing with, like, we don't know these people, but we speak of them so highly, like, they're kind of mythic. They're going to gonna be recurring characters, characters in, yeah. in the so, podcast. Akos, like, he is... He's from Hungary. Okay. Like, he's hung yeah. he, and, and, or is he hungry? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, so... Akos Konya, he now lives in San Diego, but he had this, Mark found this, this documentary, which is probably one of the most beautiful documentaries I've ever seen in my life about running the Badwater 135. And it's not your traditional um, documentary. You're not going to find this on Netflix. This is a literal handheld mini DV recording of Akos's training and race footage that might have been edited in camera <laughs> it might not have been like yeah. edited at home it might have just been like start stop start stop and it follows akos um his two friends one of which is a professional arm wrestler <laughs> who is the uh videographer the cinematographer yeah. and then this other mythic uh runner and mark might know the names but um basically uh, this other man who is at Badwater 135 to just crew it more or less. And it follows the four of them in their journey as Akos is out there running this, this incredibly difficult race. I mean, it's 127 degrees, dead of summer. They run it from the bottom of dead, uh, Badwater. <laughs> Deadwater. <laughs> You're going to be dead. Uh, the, bottom of bad, the bottom of Badwater Basin all the way to the foothills of Mount Whitney. The ba yeah, the base, base of Mount Whitney. Yeah, so. So it's from the, the lowest point in the U.S. to what is basically the trail to the highest point in the continental U.S. And, and our, like, our fanboyness and infatuation with like uh, Goggins, David Goggins, you know, he kind of stumbles into this thing. He's a, he's, he's a character. Well, uh, that was how I initially found right. it. Because in, I read David Goggins' book, which is a great book for people. I think it, I really feel like it has a very weird, um, weird kind of, I don't know what you'd call it. Like, he's just such a divisive character. And I think a lot of people are like turned off by it, but the book itself is just entertaining. I, like even yeah. if you're not into this shit that we're talking about, like just the book will make, make you, you laugh. Yeah. And so he talks about wanting to run the toughest race and challenge himself. And the thing, the thing that I love about David Goggins is that he seems to really, you know, people think of him as this like tough jock guy, Sure, but he really just, has an appreciation for people that are trying to challenge themselves and push themselves. And so David Goggins is just like, 
you know, Navy SEAL dude. And he's out there running with this small Hungarian guy, Akos. And he's like, that dude is the badass. Like, that's the guy yeah. that David Goggins as, admires is this like little Hungarian dude. And so that was how I found out about it. And I just, I think I just Googled Akos or David Goggins Badwater. I really just wanted to see what this guy Akos looked like. And then there was this whole documentary that appeared that was, I think, initially intended as almost just footage that he could send home to his parents in Hungary. Right. Yeah, it's 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 such like I remember Mark sent it to me and and yeah, it was just like I was really taken aback at how like cinematic it felt. Um right. You, you can, know, it, it's the story but is it's just a really touching beautiful story. Yeah, and 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 for it to not have that intention uh really shows how uh romantic, beautiful, intriguing, uh, adventurous, uh, that race is and running can be internally. You have all of those feelings when you go on these long runs. And, um, <laughs> it, it's hard to talk about without giving away too much. Cause there, sure. there is, a, there, is a, there is a very good ending to it that is worth watching it, you know? Yeah. And, and so we'll leave the link in the bio on that. But this race is basically just notorious. Uh, we often pull images from that movie um, and put it on the account, um, you know, and we've often uh, referenced it on the website all the time. But, um, you know, back to Sam, he's going out there and doing this, this half marathon with his dad. And so, again, he said, there's a full, do you guys want to do it? And we signed up before COVID hit. It was basically going to be in 2019, yeah. we were going to go out and run it. And the week of the race, they canceled it. They canceled the whole race uh, because of snow at the top of Titus Canyon. And so got pushed. So one of the things that happened, I'm sure a lot of you who are active runners, is every freaking race got like squished into two months of 2021. Mm -hmm. It was like, my, I had a half marathon in, in uh, Joshua Tree, LA Marathon, Death Valley. It all was within weeks of each other. And, you know, I'm just, I'm not that savage anymore <laughs> or ever was. So I needed to really figure out how I was going to tackle this. Uh, I had to move Joshua Tree to another race. Mark and I are going to run Yosemite half in May. Um, and then it was like, I got to do the full LA Marathon. And that was the last race I ran before COVID. This was going to be the return. I was training for this. They kept on pushing it. And then it was Death Valley. So I opted to do a half. And I really was like up until the week going to see if I could try and do two fulls that close to each other. And dear God, I'm so glad. The, the nice people at Enviro Sports, they just kind of put me. And when I told them I had just run LA, they just said, okay, we'll put you in the half. Yeah. And so, Mark, you were training in england in in london yeah because yeah, i had signed up with you guys in 2019 but then just by luck well for my luck i guess i had i had already moved to london and so i was trying to give my ticket away and of course nobody's <laughs> dumb enough to take like <laughs> just yeah. gonna sign up who wants to run in death valley so uh, so I was like, well, whatever, that's just, uh, I just got to take that loss. And so the race got pushed to 2020. And even then I thought like, ah, well, I'm probably, who knows what's going to happen in 2020 pandemic happens, the race gets 
pushed again to 2021. Now, this time I had nothing hold me back. You know, it was in the midst of the pandemic. And I thought, all right, I have no excuses now. Like I need to, to train for this. And so I was living in London at the time and I just, I started running. Like you said, it was a great way to experience London. I would, I loved mapping out my long runs and would just go all through the city. And the cool thing about London, even though it is a huge place and there, it's sprawled out. Like, I mean, you can cover and see so much amazing stuff right. in such a short run. And so, um, yeah, so I do these really long runs kind of around the whole of London and, and felt good about it. Felt good about myself. I was like, all right, I'm ready. I'm in shape. And, and I was like not prepared at all for 26 miles in the desert. So yeah, we get out there and I, I, I really want to, I had no clue what to expect either. Uh, I'd been out there to, uh, run an unofficial half the year it was canceled with Sam and his dad, uh, but I had no real clue what to expect. My legs were still in recovery mode. Um, and uh, I ran a half, and it was, it was 6.5 up and, and 6 down. I think I probably walked like five miles of it. Like I was just so cooked. You know, you, you really do have to train for like uh, uphill. You know, yeah. you have to, I had trained really no hills for L.A. Like I just was, you know, and also, you know, as a – a little aside, like I'm in like a recovery year right now. Um, and I can get into all of that another time, but basically running lower miles at the moment, um, and doing just a few other different types of exercise, uh, for my body. So this was really the end of my long, long, long run history, uh, for at least, I think it was maybe three or four years of really being out there running, uh, substantial miles. So I was way more than okay. Just kind of doing what I could out there that day. But Mark, on the other hand, explain to the listeners how that race goes down. Well, you had sent me, I think you had, we had started talking about it a couple months in a a couple months leading up to the race. We were discussing it and trying to, I guess, come up with tactics on how we were going to tackle this thing. And I remember you sending me uh, the elevation chart for it right and then it it's it looks like a simple pyramid you know it starts at three thousand feet the first i'm sorry yeah three it starts at three thousand feet the first 13 miles are all uphill it tops out at around five thousand feet and then the second half is just all downhill and so i thought oh that seems easy enough right right and i was trying my best to do whatever hills I could find in London, which is not, I mean, you're running <laughs> right. like speed bumps, basically. There was no elevation. I guess you can get out of, I've heard there's like hills in like other parts of the country, obviously, but yeah, you're not going to, yeah, I wasn't, it, we had a pretty tough life, like tough schedule out there. Like it was just hard for me to get out of the city. But, um, but I thought even then I was like, oh, 5,000 doesn't seem like that high. Like I had to hike I had hiked around that level before and was just totally ignorant and naive to like what it would be like to run at that level. And so, um, so my plan was just to kind of like take it really slow on the uphill and then like really, and save my legs for the downhill and then just try to like make up as much time as I could on the downhill. And so the, 
we get out to Death Valley and I'm, you know, feeling pretty good. And the it's the morning of and we all kind of meet at the the checking desks and get our numbers and everything. And then they give us a trash bag and they're like, all right, this is where you're going to put all your stuff. Cause it's, it's not a loop or an out and back. It's just a one way course. So they you start you in Nevada. Yeah. They, they bus you out to the starting line and then you run back. And so they're like, BD is that the town that you started near there? Yeah, yeah. Not far from there. And so, so the, my first thing that this is not going to be like a normal race is that, yeah, there's just like trash bag with a number and they're like, this is going to have your, all the things that are going to be waiting for you at the finish line. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. So I had a little cooler with me and some extra clothes and a jacket. And so I put all that in there and then they bus us. They, we all get on these buses and we start driving and it's like an hour long drive. Right. And once I see welcome to Nevada, I'm like, Oh shit. Like this is <laughs> like, this is crazy. Like what the fuck am I doing out here? Yeah. And, and since you were doing the half, you you were doing just mine started yeah mine started at the finish line and then goes 6.5 up and then back so yeah. pretty very doable so i'm kind of i'm just out there solo on a solo mission just on the bus and i'm probably uh i'm one of the younger people there too which is also kind of weird it's like you know a lot of older it's it, it attracts a lot of older runners who are obviously like super hardcore people and so we're all on this bus but at one point, I remember the bus pulls over and this guy just starts like freaking out. And he's like, we're lost. We're lost. Like, oh, my God, we're lost. Oh, and, God. <laughs> and he's just he's not sitting with anybody. So he's just like venting this out yeah. loud to himself. And everybody's just kind of looking at each other. And the bus stopped, pulled over for like a couple minutes. And then we see the race director in the minivan go by. And Dave, like, who's like infamous, big, burly character. Looks like he owns like a longshoreman bar or something yeah. like that. He gives us a thumbs up and it's like, okay, no, we're good. We're good. So we keep going and it's, yeah, we're just on this like desert highway for at least an hour. And then we finally make it to, we pull off the highway into this just dirt lot. Right. There's no signage or anything. It's just a random lot. And it's the beginning of the Titus Canyon trail. And the buses pull over, let everybody out. People start kind of like loosening up, warming up. There's some porta potties there, fortunately. So everybody's kind of doing that. And, uh, and so they wait for, we're waiting for everybody to like get there and get, get ready or whatever. And so Dave just starts like yelling, you know, he's like, all right, everybody get here. And he, he drags his foot across the dirt and that's the starting line. <laughs> and then he makes everybody get to the starting line. And then he does this whole speech which I have it recorded on my phone, so maybe I can. Yeah, spl I'll splice it in. Here, we'll play that right, right here. For the Wednesdays that were, also known as the three-letter I's. I for insurrection, Wednesday, January sixth. I for impeachment, Wednesday, January thirteenth. I for inauguration, Wednesday, January twentieth. And the eyes have it. Those were the Wednesdays that were. T W three. That's based on an old British comedy from the 60s that was called That Was the Week That Was, also known as TW3. Here you go. Woo totally non-political. All right, any questions? Good. 
they're headed that way. If anybody gets lost, wow. It's a one-way road. <laughs> Why you are going along? It's, it's crazy. So, yeah, he this whole thing, I don't nobody knows like what the fuck he's talking about. Like yeah. they're all, all kind of looking at each other, like, what was that about? And so then he says, All right, I'm gonna get in my car. And I'm going to drive down the trail. And when you see my brake lights come on, that's when you all start. And we're like, fuck, okay. And so we're, we all are like looking at each other. People are getting themselves pumped up. And then he just takes off in this like cloud of dust. And then everybody's like watching him. And then we finally see the brake lights come on and like nobody moves. <laughs> and somebody's like, all right, I guess we should go. And then we all... Once one person goes in, it's like, all right, uh-huh, uh-huh. damn burst. Everybody starts going. How many runners? Like, I think there was about 60 or 70. Yeah. So it was like a relatively small group. And, you know, immediately it just starts spreading out because there's like, you know, a slight uphill. And I think everybody's kind of like pacing themselves. And I was trying to go really slow. Like I was trying to be right. really conscious of like not overdoing it. I don't want, want to blow up. That was the last thing I wanted to do. And so... I'm going, I'm like trying to like watch my pace or whatever. And then, uh, you know, eventually, and the crazy thing is even the starting point, it's like three miles of just flat and there's just these mountains off in the distance. And so you're, it's, you're, it's surreal. Cause you're like in this flat desert and you're like, fuck, I have to run through those mountains to get to the finish line. Incredible. Yeah. When is like the danger meter come on inside? You see the mountains off in the distance. You're going towards them. And you, as soon as you get to the base, it's just like, oh, shit. This just got really serious. Because up to that point, I remember, too, I was with this guy. And we were kind of just going back and forth, kind of going next to each other, get settling into the same pace. And I thought, like, okay, this is going to be my guy. Because the other cool thing about long races is you kind of – Everybody that's around the same fitness level, it's like you kind of just like yeah. clump together a little bit and you're like, all right, these are my people. And maybe you can build a little friendly like rivalry and you're like, all right, all right I got to beat this guy or I just got to stay in front of, you know, stay. As long as I stay next to this guy, I'll be good. That was my thinking because he seemed to be handling everything pretty well. And as soon as it, I don't know what the grade was or what, I can't tell you like how, you know, how, right. how steep it was, but it just like, ratcheted up really fast as soon as you know after like five miles i think and so around yeah around mile five it's just like quads are killing me just thinking about it it's just it just goes uphill and like i was trying my best but my lungs were just like i couldn't get enough air in and i was like this elevation is killing me it's brutal and so i think I think it was around like mile seven because up to that point, like after like between mile five and mile seven, it was like I would run a little bit. I would hike a little bit. But then you're you're gaining so much elevation that, yeah, like by mile seven, I was like, I can't run anymore. Like I was just not prepared for the elevation. I was like, I I just got to hike this. And so I think I hiked from like mile seven to mile 13. And I would I remember feeling so awful. And I was like, I'm going to be like in last place like i may not finish it right that was like my wall was my eight where i was like i don't think i'm going to be able to finish this oh my god just like it it wasn't fun at that point yeah i'm just like trudging along and and the other crazy part too is 
there was nobody around me. Like I, I literally thought that I, I was like in the back of the pack because I'm like, I had the same feeling when I was doing the half I was, cause I, I just had kind of been like, all right, I'm just going to finish this. And I thought I was like in dead last place and not that that matters, but if you feel like you're in last place, like there's a specific kind of like weight that comes over your mind. Like, yeah. Well, cause this one too, I remember thinking there's like a cutoff for it and everything. And I had planned, I had a plan. Right. And like, of course you like the every, you can't plan, you need to have like multiple plans for a race sure. like this. But you know, my plan was to like move at this pace. So I'd finish on this time and, and like that shit went out the window. And so I was like, well, if I end up walking this whole thing, like I'm not going to be able to finish on time. Like they're going to cut me off. Cause with this race, if you don't finish, you have to keep like a 12 minute mile, I think something around there, which is, you know, still challenging for that uphill. And there's a car behind the the runners basically. Um, and they'll pick you up if you don't finish Yeah. on that. If you're, if you're that slow, they're just going to put you in the van. So I remember thinking I may not even be able to finish this. Like I may not be making the cutoff. Right. I was just, hiking trudging along hiking and so we get to and i remember there was one point too where i was in i was just like clinging to these cliff walls because there was shade there (laughs) and like because we're (laughs) we're 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 carrying all of our nutrition and everything on a vest with us that's the other crazy part is it's not like the la marathon where Where there's just yeah endless amounts of support Yeah. yeah there's like pizza and beer and like just like like a buffet as i call it yeah i mean the aid stations were every five miles and the aid stations were not you know they weren't cliff bars sponsored by like hammer nutrition and stuff it was, it was like, like pink lemonade yeah. and uh, like peanut butter pretzels three <laughs> like time mix lemonade water and then yeah uh like an m M&M m trail like a kirkland brand trail mix <laughs> yeah. and that was it sponsored by kirkland yeah. yeah some some of them had like salt tablets and aspirin but that was it it was super rugged minimal aid. Yeah. and and so yeah I'm, I'm trudging along i'm like trying my best at the aid stations i would just like fill up as much as i could because that was the other thing too is like i had been training in london and even though death valley was it was the winter time i mean i think it was still like high 60s or 70s that yeah. day so it wasn't it wasn't brutal it wasn't summer death no valley, no but, no that, yeah but it was still hot you know i was still sweating a lot oh yeah sun was out that day yeah so i think i was just losing salt really really badly also a lot of people you know i didn't really realize this about the desert but like my girlfriend pointed this out because she used to live in texas but like you're just like, it's always trying to kill you, the desert, <laughs> you know, like it, it's so dry that you just standing there, like water is just evaporating out yeah. of you. So throw Mark, myself into a half marathon and Mark into a full marathon. It's bad. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was wild. And then I made it to the halfway point, which so is was, the top. You're at the yeah. top of Titus Canyon. So I peaked and then I, I was like, all right, I'm, that was like my first goal was like, just get to the halfway point. Yeah. And then I can kind of reassess things from there. And so I, I remember making it to the halfway point and, and I, I felt good. I was like, all right, like I, I had hiked up, like my lungs were feeling good. Good. And I just needed to get down. I was like, all I got to do is just like run downhill. How hard is that? Right. And so I start and then 
immediately just my legs cramp. Like, oh like I had completely depleted my body of salt content. And I was, cause, and I had just been walking and sweating so much. And then I was like, all right, time to let it rip. And then it just like locked up. Everything uh, locked up. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I was prepared in the sense I had a few salt tablets with me, but like n- way, way fewer than I should have had. And so I just started taking salt tablets and like every aid station I could, I was like trying to eat these like peanut butter pretzels. I remember the first one I got to, I, I bit into one, <laughs> I bit into one and it was just like, like a, like a nuclear explosion of like dust had just like gone off in my mouth. Like right. my entire, I had no moisture in my mouth and my whole, <laughs> the inside of my mouth was just covered in like pretzel dust. And I like, I was like, I need, I need like help. I need, <laughs> need liquid more. to help me swallow. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was choking on pretzel dust and like dried peanut butter. Um, yeah. So that was, that was like around mile 15, I think when that, all that went down. And so I was like kind of, taking it easy. Like at that point I was just dealing with the cramping, honestly, like, and just kind of, but pushing along, pushing along as much as I could. And to, to, to also like when you're getting towards the end for both the half and the full, uh, Dave, uh, in his gregarious nature cracks a lot of jokes with all of the racers at the beginning of the race and says, you know, once you get out of the Canyon, you're going to see the finish line and you're going to run about two miles. And then you're going to get past that two miles and you're going to go, I swear to God, they just moved those vans in that finish <laughs> yeah. line, didn't they? And he's not wrong because for the half, you get out of the canyon and you're running in open desert again for another three miles. Yeah, it's it's insane to leave. I mean, the thing about the canyon, though, is it is really beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like so those those that middle chunk, you know, between mile five and and mile 23 or whatever you're running through this beautiful canyon and it's, I mean, it, it is undeniably gorgeous Did area. Did you feel too, like you mentioned, mentioning that point of like running, I felt connected to running. I kind of had this feeling like time travel feel of like when you're running in nature like that, like this is kind of maybe what it was like, you know, yeah. minus the, the, all of the support you bring, but you're just by yourself in nature. It's very, it's really, really unique. For, yeah, definitely for me. I mean, I think I just growing up, I always tell, I always say that I'm like a desert person. I'm like a lizard. Like I right. like being warm. I, I'm, I grew up here in California. I'm just used to warm weather and right. dry weather. And so I prefer, and I think also just going out to the desert has always been a really nice experience for me. It's been a nice getaway and a retreat. And sure. so I love the landscape. I love the colors, the way it looks like all of that stuff about it is just really appealing to me. Right. So that aspect of it too. And even just thinking about, like you said, kind of the, the more like, I don't know what you call it, like human, like the ancient connection that we might have to running. Like sure. that stuff all starts to kind of come up when you're like, yeah, you're not, you have no civiliz. There's no signs of civilization around you. You're completely surrounded by nature. You're kind of just on your own in a sense, right? Like, you know, that, that feeling of like, I'm carrying my entire life on my pack right now. Right. Because I am. Because if something goes bad on a trail race, and this was really my first one I'd ever done, and it was only a half, 
which is still a lot, it, you yeah. do realize, like, especially in, like, a place like Titus Canyon, if you have a problem, it's going to take a while for someone to probably get to you. Oh, yeah. And that is also in the back of your head a little bit, you that, know? Yeah, that started to really fuck with me and freak me out, too, when I was starting to have all the cramps and stuff. Right. Like, how are they going to find me? You know, you kind of, like, so much fear is met when you run, you know, and it doesn't necessarily always come in as, like, uh, a fear you would expect, you know, and some runners call it, like, a pain cave or Mm -hmm. whatever the hell they call it, but it exists, and that's also what makes it so inspiring to overcome it because you have to play this, like, mental war game with yourself to, like, figure out how you, like, can look at, like, your quote-unquote terrible scenario and overcome it yeah because there there had been points in that race where i thought you know i hadn't if i even if i wanted to quit i couldn't right the the quickest way for me to get this experience over with is to run to the finish line because in in a race a road race you're kind of always around people if you really got injured if something bad happened or you just felt awful you're you're like all right i'm done i tap out yeah kind of you know, walk to the side. Like right. there was nowhere to go in this middle. It, the the other thing I realized too is I think think of um, Star Wars, like in yeah. A New Hope, when they're in with the Jawas and Tatooine. Like oh, yeah, where they meet Obi Wan Kenobi for the first time. Like that's what you're running through, right? Like, that kind of environment where you know they they stumble on R two D two and all that. Yeah, like, that's that's what you're that's, running through. It's just just this like beautiful but desolate canyon. Yeah, and so that we, I remember thinking like I just I have to finish. Like I just have to get there because I want this to end. Yeah, I and and for you then you get to the finish line. How's it well, feel? It's like you said. Yeah, you get. You finally make it through the canyon, and then you're like, okay, I see the buses, I see the tents, I just need to get there. It's like this oasis, and then it just never comes. You just <laughs> keep running and running. And the thing that fucked me up the most is that I had my, wa- I was wearing my GPS watch, and so I hit 26.2 miles, and I'm not there. And I was like, these motherfuckers, like they didn't even put the finish line in the right place. Like I'm running, I think it ended up being like 26.5 or something. So not much longer, but when you're when yeah. you run 26.2 miles, you just want it to, to end. run 26.2. Yeah. And so I remember just being so angry being like, I got, I, I don't know if I can even fucking finish it at this point. And so you get there and it was the, I mean, it was the best, one of the best feelings I've ever had finishing that race, but it was, it was so odd in the same way because it was literally just like a single tent right in the middle of the desert and then there were some other racers that had finished and they were awesome people were cheering me on and stuff for finishing they don't know my name so they just like say my number and they're like calling me out but you get the medal and then they have more the same snacks but just more of them yeah so i remember just i remember looking around for you guys because i was wondering if you or Tamara or Ryan were going to be there. So I was looking around for you guys and I was like, nobody's here for me. So, and I I didn't even care. I was just like, I needed to sit down. So I walked, I remember walking over to one of the snack booths where the tent was set up and just like laying down next to it in the shade and just trying to like regain myself after all that. How long was it till uh, Tamara picked you up? 
I think she came within 20 minutes. Like she came pretty quickly. That's that, the, yeah. Yeah. That, the other thing, yeah, that, that's what I was really worried about too, is like, I need, I kept telling you guys, like, this is when I expected to finish. And I think I went an hour past my expectation. <laughs> right. So I was just worried that, you know, you guys were going to be gone and it takes an hour just to get to the finish line from yeah. where we our were hotel. Staying. Yeah. So it's, yeah, none of this stuff is close. You're covering huge distances. So, and there's, I no remember I want, I remember I wanted to be out there when you got back. But at that point, I think Ryan had, she had already driven like two times out and back <laughs> there. And it, it's like, you know, takes a lot of time. Yeah. So the, 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 the kind of verdict was like, she'll come pick me up and then tr- take me back. And then tomorrow I take the car and then go back and grab you. And that was, and, and as I was thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> like, you know, I wanted to totally be there, but I was so dusted too after finishing the half and. Um, I was just, you know, ready to jump in that, that pool. Um, you know, there was no need to wait for me at that point. I mean, I, the other thing I was, I was just worried that, yeah, there was going to be some huge miscommunication thing, but I was so spent at that point that I was like, I could lay here all day. Like I don't need to go anywhere. Like I'm in no rush to get back. I just need to sit right here and like compose myself and, before I knew it, Tamara was there and, and she was there to like help me, help pick <laughs> me up and put me back together and get me in the car and all that. We're going to have to spend, uh, we'll have to do another one of these where we talk about like the psychedelic post run experience. Cause I don't think enough people talk about how crazy you feel after you do a long run. And it, I'll, you know, I think we could do another pod just specifically on that. Cause it's like, so crazy. I feel like after a run, I've entered into this like mad hatter world of myself oh, or like yeah. my liver's processing all the junk I just put through, you know, like there's so much hormonally going on after a long run. I feel insane. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm on speed. Uh, I'm like going, I'm, you know, I remember, you know, my girlfriend was just like thinking I was going to be super tired, but I get like really wound up. I'm like, <laughs> like it's so unique for each person, but I know we, we this is our first episode and I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to bury all this stuff in one episode so I want to give it time. Um, but I guess I just want to and and you know like we said we're going to be interviewing a bunch of people and 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 talking about our experiences with them but I guess um, maybe this is a thing we could do each one but uh, Mark what is your runner's high? What is my runner's high? Or what does it mean to you? That. Yeah. My run is high. It's just when you when you're out for a long run and you just feel in tune with your body and how it's moving. Right. right? You feel a a connection that um, it's when your body your body realizes that you're not going to stop. Right. And that your mind has to deal with it in some way. Right. And, and I guess that is by like sending chemicals through your body, like pumping adrenaline or endorphins or whatever it is. I mean, maybe this is too of a scientific definition. That's not what you're looking for, but it's just when, yeah, when your body reaches a point, it's like, okay, like we've been telling him to stop for an hour and, and he's not going to. So we just have to like deal with it. And then you reach this point of like, oh, okay. Like I, my body's, I mean, 
I'm fit enough to like keep doing this. Right. And, and you, and then you push through it and you kind of in this state of like, I could do this forever. Yeah. Mine is, is always when I get to the, when I finish and I look back at what I've done, you know, and I go, you know, I, I'm always impressed. Like I said, like m- that feeling for me is like knowing the sense of accomplishment. Like I went from here to here. Um, you know, LA marathon was not last year's, but they changed the route, you know, <laughs> they changed the LA marathon route. It used to be, uh, Dodger stadium to the sea stadium to the sea. And now it's stadium to like Avenue of the yeah. stars. It's just so like, I hope they'd change it back. Yeah. The, you know, if we have any major, uh, controversy on this show, it's that, you know, LA marathon, the McCourt foundation, you really screwed up, uh, by not, by not having it end in Santa Monica. And I don't know what political thing went on there. It had to have been something, but, you know, you finishing that race, I'll put it this way. When I finished the three times I've run LA marathon, three or four, my four, yeah, the, I run it four times now. The three times that it finished in Santa Monica, I cried each time at some point because it's just so overwhelming. When I finished at Avenue of the Stars, I just looked for my ride home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mark, this is going to be fun. Yeah. No, I think I'm very excited for what we're going to be doing with this. This is going to be a cool platform to, I don't know, talk more about our love of running and, and meet some cool people. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, this has uh, been uh, the Never Not Run podcast. I'm Chris Candy, along with my good friend, Mark Nieto. Uh, we run the Never Not Run Instagram account. Uh, we sell T-shirts. Um, currently have the la saves track hoodie and long sleeve up uh all that money is going to go to the la saves track foundation they're raising money for la high to get them a new track built over there la high is one of los angeles oldest high schools and they got are in dire need of a new track and then uh where can people follow us online uh, yeah, just get nevernotrun.com. And then there's also the, uh, the Instagram, nevernotrun. But thanks, everyone. And uh, we'll be back next week.